Hey, Matt here. This episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago, which is why you will hear us talk about Andy, still not back from Burning Man, even though he was on the last episode very much back from Burning Man. You'll have probably worked that out anyway just by listening to this, but I've recorded it now, so you can hear me say it. Roll credits. Probably science. And welcome to Probably Science. I'm your host, one of two today. I'm Jesse Case. I'm Matt Kirshen. We have news, though. We have, we've heard there has been signs of life from Andy Wood. Jesse and I were texting each other yesterday saying, has anyone heard from Andy? Has he survived? Did he drown in the desert? But he's, he's back, people. He is, he's on his way driving south as we speak. He's he out is- of the mud, and he's made it out of there. And, uh, you know, we're going to hear all about it in the future. Yeah, we, you know? we are, uh, but in the meantime, we've got two guests. Uh, we've got we got returning guest return, uh, and science comedian Brian Mallow. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. It's great to be back. Yeah, and, great to hear you. Uh, it's great to have you here. And his good friend and ours and someone you know. Again, this is another one who this has been in the cards for so long. We've just never sorted out the logistics. But excellent comedian, very good guy. And writer, and all sorts. It's Kevin Kataoka. How are you, Kevin? I'm good. Is Andy, at, was he at Burning Man or Mud he, Wrestling? He, <laughs> both. I mean, both they're, of those they're things. not usually yeah. exclusive there, Kevin. He <laughs> ran a mud wrestling, he ran a mud wrestling art bus uh, at Burning yeah. Man. Um, if you say it's art, then they let you do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting, like, I, you know... I, it's just one of those things. Andy loves Burning Man, which is a very un-Andy thing. But he's, you know, it's like you look at him, you meet at him, and, and it never you would never think this guy hmm. is probably I all mean, in it, on Burning Man every year. It It is and it isn't. But, you know, he does have, as, as he has told us on the show before, he definitely does have at Burning Man strong undercover cop vibes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we like, all he have... definitely has a large number of people who he meets for the first time and they're like, well, that is a knock for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I mean, I guess we all have those things where it's just something about you, that, something you're super into that makes no sense to the rest of your vibe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just like, thought he enjoyed fire twirling. That's <laughs> yeah, no, he's big on that. Big on that. Big on the Ren Faire circuit. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm. Yeah, Burning Man's not my thing. I'm. I'm never gonna been? go. There. I, I went one time, and it's already oh. been. I can't even tell you. Maybe it's been 15 years or 10 or 15 years. It was kind of amazing. I have to say that I went there with a really good friend who had been many times. And on the way there, I asked him, it's like, okay, like I've seen the pictures, a lot of cool art, but I can't imagine staying so many days. Like we were going to stay four or five days or something. And I thought, why? But by the time we left, I was like, I could have used another day or two here because it, it takes a little while to settle into it. And then it, it really is like, it's another world. It's And sure. once you settle in, it's it was pretty fun. And the art, the art, just riding a bicycle out on the playa from one art exhibit to another was the best thing and the best art gallery I've ever been to. It was so cool. Oh, I yeah, yeah. Say. Yeah. But I never, and I, I loved it, but the idea of going back, it's like, uh, you know that thing of like, am I going to do all that you have to do, <laughs> not just the expense, but acquiring bicycles and just like getting up for it it's like you know what i mean like it's yeah for me that's a lot of stuff a lot of stuff a lot of work and a lot of expense and time and effort that goes into getting everything and then getting it out again but it was pretty cool oh no sure for me it's it's not i'm not like no i would never go if it was just if i was offered to go and it was a free easy thing it's the effort versus reward yeah thing for me you know what i mean uh that's all it is like it takes a lot like Sometimes I'll go like three, four days without checking the mailbox, you know, like my mailman will get upset at me because <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, are you, were you on vacation? I'm like, and is no, that because did no. you leave the house at all in those days? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not like, <laughs> I don't want you to imagine there's just like dishes stacked up covered with bugs and stuff. I just mean, I'm just like, yeah, I'll grab it later. And it's, it's fine. You know? So was I don't the weather, yeah. Was the weather extreme for, for you, Brian? Well, no, no, no. And you know, you know, uh, 
No, I guess we were lucky that way. I don't think it rained at all. There was some like wind, like sandstorm sort of little bit, but no, it wasn't bad at all. But did you happen? I don't know what stories you have lined up for us, but did anyone hear Margie Taylor Greene say this stuff about Burning Man on the Alex Jones show? No. It's an amazing clip. I'm I'm behind on the Alex Jones show. I never miss it. I know, you got a lot of catching up to do. This was, I've never watched, it's a clip that's maybe a minute and a half, two minutes long. It is such insanity. She, first of all, she's saying that this weather, basically it's God punishing them. She had two things. She had this crazy conspiracy just a few days ago that they're all trapped there. They're not letting anyone leave. And they're brainwashing these 70,000 people to to believe that climate change is at the root of this. And when they come out, you're going to see the next liberal conspiracy is going to be those people that are there. The insane. One of the insane things is that those people are already concerned about climate change. This isn't a thing. No one's being brainwashed. But Alex in there also, he goes, yeah, they burned this like effigy or something. And then this weather happened and blah, blah, blah. They're acting like this was the first time Burning Man happened. They burned a, in like a pagan the ritual and the they're burning. being punished. It's like, do they realize this has been going on for 30 years? Sometimes <laughs> it rains. What, what, what God, why did God wait 30 years to punish them? It's like they just heard about Burning Man and they're twisting Maybe it Maybe God just insanity. heard about it as well. Maybe he's just late to the party. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might have to do with the speed of light if you want to go sciency with it. It takes a while for God to hear about this stuff. Alex Jones, I can't imagine living your life Thinking that everything is a satanic ritual, yeah. like everything, like he's 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 all in on it. Like I remember uh, when Obama yeah, never listened to a record forwards. <laughs> no, ever, ever. Yeah, he only listens backwards. Like uh, Obama's reelection or something. Like a, I don't know, like a fly landed on him or something at some outdoor stump speech, and Alex Jones was on it for like a month. You know, like uh, doing like ancient Aramaic chants. You know, this is obviously the rise of uh, Beelzebub. It, it's it's bananas, man. It's bananas. I uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it is. It's got to be quite tiring. It's got to be quite exhausting just having to come up with a new thing to be outraged about every. Is it daily? <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. For, and and doesn't like, he, he owes like a billion dollars to I don't know what's going on with the guy didn't he yeah he, I'm not entirely sure what's happening with that because he definitely lost all of those cases for <laughs> quite considerably like quite by quite some way like it that was actually thoroughly entertaining there was a I'm now trying to remember bits like what was there was a massive fuck up from the from his lawyer wasn't didn't like his lawyer forward his text to the opposing lawyers Yes. Yeah, something like that. They, I'm, it, I can't yeah. remember the specifics, yeah. but I just I remember it being one of those sort of like moments where it was revealed in court, and you just saw mm. everyone on the his side's face just drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't he have to openly admit that he was doing like a character or something? You know that? Yeah, he, that was I, that I was certainly the claim. Yeah, or that, I don't even know if it was even that trial or the. I feel like there was had some. He had to do with his divorce or something like that. He had to openly admit something, and it's just so weird that that that's already in in the in the books. You know, that's, yeah. yeah, that's already been announced in open court that he's like, that- yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I legally have to declare that I don't believe a single word I'm saying. That's a, that's a great you... way to try to win a divorce. It's like, uh, I was doing a character in our exactly. marriage. Like I was... is, <laughs> is that a way to get out of those lawsuits? It's like, I did. that's just a character that said that. What, what yeah. are you going to sue Archie Bunker? I, I, that, <laughs> I didn't I, really I believe that. I will every so often get a lot. You know, it, it is thoroughly entertaining learning about new conspiracy theories. And we... My, I mean, list, regular listeners to the show will know that my favorite one that I've heard about in recent years is the, is it real name, the real name conspiracy? Is it legal? Legal name is the legal name. Uh, I'm gonna have to Google this again. Uh, uh, but basically, your name has been assigned to you by the government. There is no <laughs> such legal name fraud. There we go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm all. I'm all in. Lay it on me. I'm all the government in. O- the government owns your legal name. Uh, but therefore, you don't have to give it to the police if you get pulled over, and no laws can actually be can bind you. Uh, they they miss. Here we go. This. Um, oh, in um, in Wikipedia, it, on Wikipedia it redirects a straw man theory. 
It's a pseudo-legal conspiracy theory originating in the redemption-slash-A4V movement um, and prevalent in uh, anti-government and tax protester movements such as Sovereign Citizens. There we go, and Freeman on the Land. This is Sovereign Citizens wrapped up in it as well. So you see these videos where <laughs> people get pulled over by the police and they declare themselves to be sovereign citizens and therefore not citizens of the state for which you're a police officer. <laughs> and therefore the fact that I'm speeding uh, has no relevance to you. Sure. Uh, well, the all you holds... have to do is claim you're British, right? It doesn't matter. You're just driving. Yeah, you, through. Can't, you can't do anything. Uh, the theory holds that an individual has two personas, one of flesh and blood and the other a separate legal personality. <laughs> i.e. the straw man, and that one's legal responsibilities belong to the straw man rather than the physical individual. Pseudo-law advocates, I love the fact that they're calling them in this article pseudo-law advocates, claim that it is possible through the use of certain redemption procedures and documents to separate oneself from the straw man, therefore becoming free of the rule of law. Hence the main use of straw man theory is in escaping and denying liabilities and legal responsibilities. Tax protesters, commercial redemption, and get-out-of-debt-free scams uh, claim that one's debts and taxes are the responsibility of the straw man and not of the real person. They back this claim by misreading the legal definition of person and misunderstanding the distinction between a uh, juridical person and a natural person. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Courts have uniformly rejected arguments relying on the straw man theory which is recognized in law as a scam. The FBI considers anyone promoting it a likely fraudster, and the IRS considers it a frivolous argument and finds people who claim it on their tax returns. <laughs> mm. So you're not recommending we do this? I'm not recommending it, but I do, I do basically... I do have a certain respect for the lunacy of that, where... <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you sort of get pulled over by the police, and your argument is just like, you can't see me, and back away slowly. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, my, I, I mean, I, is that better than just saying you're a character? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's basically... Um, yeah, it's the same. It works. Yeah, well, it doesn't work, but it should work. We should try it. We should all try it until it works. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm always... You always see those videos where they're saying, you know, when you get pulled over, this is what you have to do. And I, I always watch those things. I'm like, I, you know... Would I have the guts? Well, first of all, would I have the memory to properly remember everything I'm supposed to do? You know, <laughs> what I'm supposed to yeah. say to this officer, like why they can't search me or whatever. And then, you know, would I, you know, not only remembering the exact thing to say, but also would to be able to just look into somebody's, a cop's face and just say that. Yeah. Well, the hmm. pressure is unreal. Like if you, I mean, those things are true. Like if you were getting arrested, you, you, you have the right to, you cannot say literally anything. Right. And, yeah. and, I mean, and just... that, that is one that is true. And, you know, I've seen actual real lawyers, legit lawyers, not pseudo lawyers, as Wikipedia calls them saying that. Like, <laughs> right, you, but you, I... the, the general advice is do not talk to the police. Do not Absolute, volunteer any absolutely. information to the police. Never talk to the police whenever. Uh, yeah, do not say anything to the police. Right. But they don't want you to do that. And they're very, very, like, they're not nice about it. And I'm way too, like, I sort of have this like calculus I have to do of like how many rights am I going to give up just to not have a confrontational you yeah. know what I mean like I'm horrible at like being yelled at like I'll cry and shit like <laughs> like don't yell at me you know right, right. <laughs> and it's also worth saying that some of these video- a lot of the advice in these videos even the ones that are based on real le- law works significantly better when it's a 40-year-old white guy doing it <laughs> anyone from any other demographic. Right. Sure. It's just, uh, I don't know, I don't know how strong I would be under, like, if I was in a scenario where, like, I have to absolutely not say anything, you know, because it looks really tough. Like, you see those, like, interrogation, they're like, this is how to get interrogated. I've seen those videos. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm like, I could never deal with that. There's just these two dudes with guns sitting there trying to get you to admit to something, whether or not you did it. And you know your rights. They know that you know. But they're, you know, they're trying to get you to break. There is also I hope I'm I hope I'm not bullshitting on this one because I hate, you know, I'm about to say something with real confidence (laughs) that could well be completely wrong. But um if we do have any legal experts listening to this who could correct me or make... Uh, but I believe it's the case that in America, cops are allowed to lie to you and they're not in Britain uh, in the course of an interrogation. 
Like, and I'm not. I'm not talking about the kind of like that you have to. They have to tell you if they're a cop kind of thing, which is absolute bullshit. Like, if, if you, no, but they if they can tell you they found evidence and stuff. Yes, or, which they can't. I believe it's the case that in Britain, if you're in a poli- if you're arrested and you're in a interrogation in a police uh, station, in Britain they can't say, "Hey, your friend just confessed everything." Right. Right. Uh, and then go to the friend and say, hey, your friend just confessed everything. Whereas in America, I think they can do that. They can Absolutely. I mean, what stops them anyway? <laughs> True. But, <laughs> but like, it, it, is, it is legal for them to do so in America, whereas in Britain, mm. it is technically illegal for them to do that, I think. There, well, there's a lot of leeway if the crime outweighs the crime... Uh, mm-hmm. I should say, if the crime outweighs the wrongness of the officer, like if you get pulled over and a cop wants to search you, but they do not have probable cause, right? So they are being a horrible police officer. Uh, they don't actually smell weed or whatever. There's no probable cause, but they so they search you with no warrant. Uh, but then they find a body in your trunk. Hmm. They're not just going to be like, ah, technically, we got to let him go, you know. Uh, I guess I guess he just has a body in his trunk, but we kind of goofed here, you know. So like, but, I think they'll. But are they? Are, are they? Again, this is we are getting so far out of any of our knowledge bases. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> My sister is a lawyer. Does that qualify? All right. Me? Well, that's, that's <laughs> and I was closer. and I was pre med, so there's my expertise on the line. Yeah. <laughs> so we're almost there. We're basically experts. Exactly. What, what we do, we do have listeners who will write in and correct us or <laughs> clarify some things and we got we got an email this week from uh this will, this will be from a couple of episodes ago now because we are we banked a few episodes so that andy could be in the desert but um yes yes patrick cooley wrote in this is about we were talking about um game controllers on the uh the titan submersible stockton rush and he says, hey, guys, I'm not defending Stockton Rush or criticizing anything you guys have said specifically, but a lot of the media has latched onto the game controller as an example of the poor engineering of the submersible. But I just want to point out that a game controller is very convenient for manual, manual analog controls. I used a PS2 controller to operate a bomb disposal robot during training in the army. The buttons are easy to map for various options, and the sticks work great for moving robot arms and such. I don't remember the exact setup for the... Um, for the bomb robot but I think there are two menus on one the left stick drives and the right stick moves the camera and then when you're in position you switch to arm controls the shoulder buttons control the gripper and the sticks move the arm I understand how it seems silly on the surface but an off the shelf controller is a cheap easy way to operate a vehicle effectively I'm sure the submersible had lots of problems but in my opinion the game controller is the least of them uh, I, I've heard it, that argument I, I, before yeah. as well it's like yeah. it's like it works it's, it's perfectly this is what this device does yeah, so, all right, I, I, I will take that. I mean, you know, but if someone's, <laughs> someone's operated a bomb robot, I'm not going like, to push back on that. But when you're operating the bomb robot, you don't have four people just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, and you, know? you also don't, and like, he, he is clear to say he's not defending Stockton Rush, because right. I'm also sure at no point when they're operating the bomb robot do they, in a fit of peak, throw that controller across the, <laughs> across the bomb field <laughs> at a... At one of your paying clients, because <laughs> you're, yeah. you're grumpy, which is something that Stockton Rush did. Um, R.I.P. Uh, he also said, uh, Patrick says uh, nice things about the podcast and says he misses the Bluebell Ranch madness and also wants to know if Andy's still doing the t- stargazing tour thing. I have to ask Andy when he gets back. Oh, yeah, I don't right. Think we he will. is, but we I'm will. not sure. No, I would view this more as like the bomb robot if it was made out of cardboard. You yeah. know, like that's sort of the big. Yeah, it, yeah the, he is right. The, the, that, the, the, the controller thing is not the main issue, is low down the list of the issues. But correct. Right. More of the issues would be if the bomb robot hadn't been tested with bombs. Right. You know, or at least hadn't yeah. been tested on <laughs> right. forces right. equivalent to bombs. Yeah. Yeah. For the bomb tours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah. And people, you know, you're selling tickets at a discount for people to ride on top of the bo- bomb robots. Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to backtrack before we get into uh, to stories here. And, um, and I think that's a very good point that was, uh, was just emailed in. And you guys can always email us. That's probably science at gmail.com. But something that we always like to ask our guests, and Brian, we talked about the pre-med stuff. Uh, but Kevin, we always ask our guests, um, what, if anything, is your background in science? And it can be 
literally we all have one. But it's, it could yeah, just it's be from people who liked or hated classes at school or you blew constructed stuff up in the woods a, with their friends. You constructed a shack to view porn in the woods as a child. <laughs> Whatever. Like, <laughs> what was it? I viewed it? porn in the woods with Shaq. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, Does he need, like, extra large porn, like, specially made? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was funny. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, I was terrible at science and math in high school. I cheated a lot <laughs> to get by. I remember in my physics class, I think I got. I, I used to try to. I think I paid somebody to kind of like write during quizzes, like to write their work on a piece of paper and copy and copy it, and then throw it to me, and so I could actually put the answer down and the work to make it look like oh. I actually was. See, writing. this was before texting. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's how I did like physics or whatever. I think I mean that's full level cheating. That's not like (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I I think and I I think it's probably cheating. I think I got a C (laughs) minus or something, but I still got you know at least it wasn't a D. Uh, But yeah, I was just like I, I I you know and it's funny because now I look back on it and I wonder if. You know, you look back, think about certain classes you took when you were younger and you were terrible, and then you think. Oh, you know, I think I enjoy it now, mm-hmm. or I think I get. You know, I think I'd be more yeah. excited about it and probably do better at it. I'd read more I, about it, and and you know, yeah. yeah this I, has come up so many times from people who the, we, the number of times on the show where we've had a guest say something like, "Yeah, I hated it at school. I sucked at it. And now, now I read science stories all the time, and I really like it. And I don't know what. And it it normally comes down to either you didn't click with your teachers, or it just wasn't put to you in the right way that sort of hit the way your brain works and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Teachers, teacher has the teachers had a lot to do with it. I yeah, think they just yeah. bored me to tears. Um, yeah, did, did I mean, not I had that with Eng- with English was the opposite because I was science and and like math and that kind of thing was in my wheelhouse. But then I just didn't really understand how English classes were meant to work, and I just mm-hmm. didn't get. And now I write for a living, but like I, I just <laughs> didn't. I, I sort of didn't understand that you know the book did. A novel doesn't have an answer that you have to correctly remember and like work out and repeat. It was just like sure. it, could, it did, like it hadn't really sort of been. I think it just would have taken someone just to say, "Yeah, this this is what we're actually doing here," but it just didn't. I think it, it never clicked. Never never realized. And now now I enjoy reading. Now I enjoy writing. <laughs> well, and I've, I've also I mean I've posited the theory before that they teach you like with science, especially with science education. You learn the coolest stuff way too early, and they should hold it back. Hmm. Like, you learn about dinosaurs in, like, first grade, and it's like, if they, sa- <laughs> if they save that until, like, 10th grade, just blow your fucking mind, you know, um, <laughs> and tell you about that. Like, you learn about outer space, all the big, cool stuff. You're done by the time you're in third grade, hmm. and then it's just getting into the boring minutia uh, with teachers that don't want to be there. And, I, yeah, I had, like... Like, biology fascinates me. I had the world's worst biology teacher. So I was maybe, like, 30 before I cared and was fascinated by it again. Right. Uh, and, I, yeah, I still resent that, you know? <laughs> I would say, like, biology, at least, I did better in that because that was, you know, that was just more about learning body parts and, you know, and knowing the names and where everything's located. I think with chemistry and physics, it was too math-related. And I was terrible at math and, and I just had a hard time... Right. Grasping a lot of that. Just too abstract? Yeah, you know, I'm like trying to, whatever, Avogadro's number and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, you know? Oh, sure, uh, sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that was my problem with it, with certain aspects of science. You know, I was always good at math and science, and, uh, but, you know, I'll never know. I don't think I'll ever know the answer to this. I did not enjoy um, trigonometry in 11th grade, and then I loved calculus in 12th grade and 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 i don't know if it's the difference in the the the, in the actual math like i understood calculus and it made sense i don't know if it was having a bad teacher for trigonometry that i didn't connect with it at all and i thought some of it had to do with the teacher but maybe it was also that calculus it may sound weird but once you understand it it helps you solve these problems and the questions on tests were interesting and kind of fun because you're like oh i know how to solve they were weird questions like like a reservoir like a tank of water water is pouring into the tank 
at this many gallons per second. And there's a hole and water's pouring out at this many gallons per second. How long will it take to fill up? And I don't know if that sounds fun, but at the time, it's no, like, once I, you know I, how I to do that. the things, it's like, oh, I know how to use these equations. You've learned how to use the equations. And, and, and oh, it's, like it's just, fun. It's a word problem. You can solve it. Yeah, I think I understand that. And just understanding that, you know, the concept of the rate of change of something mm-hmm. and then realize it, when you realize the sort of relationship between distance and then speed and then acceleration and like each one of those is just the rate of change of the previous one mm-hmm. um and then you're, oh, okay i think th- you know just general concepts and units of measurement and the world makes a certain amount more sense yeah or is so i i, I understand oh, that feeling although i haven't written as much as i loved it and i had a great physics class in 12th grade as well but I didn't retain any of it, and I went back and I found papers at my parents' house years ago, and I see my handwriting, 11th and 12th, my high school handwriting, doing all these crazy calculus problems, work, you know, show your work, it's all worked out, and I've always wanted to make a montage of that called stuff I used to understand and no longer, shit I used to understand and no longer do. Sure. Because it's like, I look at it, it's my handwriting, my name is on the page, I have no idea what's going on there anymore. <laughs> I, I think in the math world, liking calculus <laughs> over trigonometry is the equivalent of like liking Sammy Hagar as the lead singer of Van Halen. Sure. No, 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 you must have it backwards. <laughs> yeah, no, trigonometry, when I, trigonometry screams David Lee Roth. It screams oh, no. it. I, uh, <laughs> but I, I, what does it mean? I like Sammy Hagar alone, but not in Van Halen. What does that mean? Is this algebra? Are we getting into algebra? Oh, now? man, that's like, yeah, it's a totally okay, different math if formula. You, if you cannot drive 55 and you are... <laughs> yeah, so he was writing math songs. <laughs> math problem songs. Yeah. Yeah, very complex stuff. One man if you, cannot drive 55. If you are running man, with the right? devil, but you cannot drive 55. <laughs> 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 All right. Sure. Um, Just an eruption of clever jokes there. Yeah, there oh. it is. There it is. Um <laughs> Man, Van Halen fucking rules, though, huh? They <laughs> <laughs> really do. I don't know how to segue out of it, but I... I, yeah, all, I the- all right, guys, great podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, doing my own justice if I didn't mention that Brian May recently re-released... Brian May, Queen guitarist, yes, yes. astrophysicist, Absolutely. Sir Knight, now a knight, Sir Dr. Brian May, yes. recently re-released an EP that he put out in 1983 where just fucking around him and uh eddie van halen and alan gratzer the drummer from ario speedwagon and then these two other guys they went into a studio for a couple days and they just messed around and they made this starfleet project and the the theme song it was a theme song from a kid show you know those marionette sci-fi shows those yeah. like kids and there was one called starfleet i think it was japanese made but there was an english dubbed version that his kid loved in england in, okay. the, in the, like the 80s and he it had a great theme song and he wanted to do a rocked out version of it and he did and it's him and eddie van halen trading licks and it's just like three tracks but they they released every take the the re-release is like a box set that's all seven or eight takes that they did they spent two days in the studio and he released everything instead of the three tracks so eddie van halen to brian may in one move wow (laughs) wow yeah brian may was they they did a queen did flash gordon right like yeah they're always down for a sci-fi soundtrack yeah and brian may went back to Back to school years after after Queen uh, uh, Queen's heyday to finish his PhD in astrophysics. Right, right. At, at, like at, at the age of like fifty nine, I think. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like like Freddie Mercury. I feel like Freddie Mercury claimed that he was faster than the speed of light, <laughs> and they call him Mister Fahrenheit. And there was too much like imperial plus metric <laughs> happening, and and it like broke Brian May's brain. And he had to go yeah, back to school. Yeah, I think it's at yeah. the speed of light, but that's still impossible. That still would have, like... Yeah. Would have the speed of Brian light. Wouldn't... But look, the guy also claimed to be Lady Godiva in the same song. That's what I mean. So he's burning <laughs> through the sky. Wait, 200 degrees. Is that's that why, why they, they call him That's why they call him yeah. Mr. Fahrenheit. Well, 200, 200 degrees, degrees. Fahrenheit is not Celsius? actually that hot. 
Is he talking? Oh, Fahrenheit. Yeah, he's yeah, right. It's two hundred Fahrenheit's below boiling point. It's below boiling. But he's. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, that's the temperature my tea is generally like. You know, that's oh, <laughs> right. Wow. But he's going at the speed of light, but wants to make a supersonic man out of you. I mean, it's all over the place. Well, technically, if you're going <laughs> the speed the of light, map. if you're speed of light, you are supersonic. You are. But I think that this this drove Brian May insane. <laughs> the fact checking <laughs> that he wanted to do in the studio, and he had to go back to school. He had. <laughs> hmm. yeah, on, a, on a similar tangent, I, was, I keep reading this stuff about. Uh, have you read all these things about Hedy Lamar? Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. No. So about how she supposedly was. She was like an like an invent, was like an inventor on her spare time. She mm-hmm. tinkered with things, and she, her and another uh, friend of hers, I think he was like a musical composer or something. Um, they developed some kind of jamming system. The idea it's, was to it's just, frequency jumping. It's it's basically. Yeah, and it it, it it sort of disguised radar, but it... Uh, They're saying it's like yeah. the birth of Wi-Fi or something like that, or something similar to Wi-Fi hmm. that they... Yeah, or they, at least Wi-Fi and other radio signals use similar technology now to... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yes, and didn't, yeah, she, didn't was, she have served some... Like, in the war effort, didn't she make a contribution there, like... Well, something that was about the code idea. cracking or something? Well, that was, was the that... idea. I think she she was tinkering with they were tinkering yeah. with this idea because it was supposed to jam torpedoes. Mm. Like yeah, here free... we go. It was it was frequency hopping to avoid a signal being jammed, and developed by Hedy Lamarr with the American composer George Antheil as a secret communication system. I, I mean, I'm just kind of fascinated with the idea of this happening. I don't like. First off, she was making like six movies a year in the studio system. Like, when did she have time to to do this? And like, she I also mean, apparently had six husbands. What? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just trying to picture this. You know, I just can't. It's such a, it's such a, like, uh, it seems very time consuming and very intense. And I don't know. Yeah, I think that's also just like. That I, I think things like that always to me they always speak to how insane World War Two was, where like we we look back on it as if it was a known that the Allies would win, instead of like this could be just the apocalypse, this might be the apocalypse. So I think it was so all hands on deck where it's like, what do you do? What do you know how to do? Do you do, do what like what mm-hmm. do you have? Okay, how can we apply that to something? So they were just down for anything that could help. Like if you, I think if you were like a, you know, if you were like an opera singer, they're like, okay, work on a frequency that can break goggles of, <laughs> you, you know, like, like yeah. anything you can do. The uh, note that did they him. ever try to tap Ella Fitzgerald's abilities? To- <laughs> right, right. But I mean, they, they were doing every, you know, it's like the stories of like the Hollywood prop guys that would make like the fake inflatable armies, basically. I didn't and, know this. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, they in Hollywood. You know, if you, the movie industry, a lot of it shut down during the war, and they had uh, sound like sound effects people, like foley artists and stuff, and they made fake armies. Where what they would do is they would have uh, they would have like giant inflatable tanks and planes that they could mass produce, and then they would set up speakers in the woods to make it sound like a whole army, like thousands of people are moving mm. past. And, you know, it would be to confuse. So they like, like home alone it? They home alone it. Well, yeah, no, exactly. Like, like so much of the Battle of the Bulge was, was just home aloneing it. <laughs> you know, like the Panzer tanks are like uh, getting hit with like paint buckets and shit. And like, what would be also the the Three Amigos? What movies would that be parodying? They, they did the same sort of thing in the Three Amigos. Just that aspect of it of putting up a show of like there being more of them. What oh, classic yeah, yeah. westerns is that from, Kevin? Wait, wait what's that? What uh, isn't West- there some classic western that that's the? Where they set up everything in a town? Yeah, where they make it look... Yeah, when the bad guys are coming, they make it... It's like, we don't have enough guns, but we'll make it look like we do. Well, like I mean, we it, yeah. it's in Blazing Saddles. They, you, ah. make it, they make a fake town there. They make a... Oh, High Plains Drifter, I think they make a ah, fake a town. A Clint Eastwood film. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think oh, here, they, I think. here it is. So, uh, activated on January 20th, 1944. Um, so, that was pre-D-Day. That'd be... Uh, the the 23rd headquarters special troops known as the ghost army 
was the first mobile multimedia tactical deception unit in U.S. Army history. Wow. So it consisted of 82 officers and 1,023 men under the command of Army veteran Colonel Harry Reeder. And it was a top-secret unit that was capable of simulating two whole divisions, approximately 30,000 men, and used visual, sonic, and radio deception to fuel, uh, fool German forces during World War II's final year. So they, <laughs> they had... Um, yeah, they had like inflatable tanks and there's I'm going to link it in wow. the show notes. But if you click over, you can see because it's not like it looked realistic up front. It had to fool like a plane flying over, you know, uh-huh. um, right. Because this was pre I, like, I don't know if this type of stuff would work now. But uh, the the stuff that really fascinates me is this like stereo speakers they would set up like these giant uh-huh. loudspeakers and coordinate it so it sounded like army movement, like, you know, through the woods. Huh. And then they'd all go over there and then get flanked or what? It's fascinating. Um, so there you go. Yeah, that's kind of like, like also just the idea of like when you leave the house is like leaving a stereo on. Um, but I always like thought like what if, if it's what if that's just what attracts the thief's attention and they come in and, you know, they weren't even going to look at your house, but they heard the nice stereo playing. <laughs> No, absolutely, absolutely. I leave a I leave a brand new MacBook as a welcome mat because like if they if they step on it, the crunch will alert me. Um, <laughs> I always feel that way when I park in a if I park in a red zone and I put the flashing lights on <laughs> or something, you know. And, and if I were to step out for a second, yeah. like, would would that just attract a meter maid from giving me a ticket, right. or, you know, or is that just going to make them think, oh, this person is probably going to be back in a second and they're not going to care or something and they made an effort i'm I'm amazed (laughs) they turned on their hazards i'm constantly amazed at the the confidence of uh people on motorcycles like Mm. where you'll just see i mean like really good motorcycle helmets are very expensive and they just leave them on the bike all the time (gasps) Uh. like i'm i see that all the time it's just sitting there and it's because it's like you're i i think it's probably they've learned most of the time they don't get stolen because you don't know who's on the bike you're assuming some like scary biker guy, so right. you're not going to do it. I don't know. I thought you were talking about when actually riding the motorcycle at first when you said that. Oh no, no. I mean that's <laughs> yeah. that's con- yeah. Splitting lanes and stuff is like that. I'm like yeah, no yeah. way, dude. Whoa. But um, splitting lanes is I, I I see that all the time, and I'm I'm just I can't believe they do that. Yeah. I mean they're flying by, and I just think like you know, and and you, it's not even the car so much; it's the uh, the mirrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if somebody went down that way, um, you know, they might have to uh, grow a human embryo. You guys think? (laughs) I don't know, man. I got nothing. That was so segue. That was so sloppy. It was so sloppy. You can Uh, fix that in post, right? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, But it's been making making the rounds, you know? It was. I know Justin Brawls sent this in. I think some other people did as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So scientists have grown a whole model of a human embryo without jizz or the egg. It's weird that put it in there. It's weird like that the that. BBC article used the word jizz. You think they'd say sperm, but no, they wouldn't. <laughs> yep. Uh, so it says here's. They're so woke. Uh, yeah. Scientists, <laughs> scientists have grown an entity. Uh, oh, this it gets a little more British. Um, scientists yeah, have grown. wonders. <laughs> Scientists have grown an entity that closely resembles an early human embryo without using spluff, eggs, or a womb. Wait, uh, what could be more what could be more British than making an embryo without any sex? And now no <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, this is the dream. Hey. I'm just basing that on Graham Chapman and Monty Python. And I guess very specifically in the Every Sperm is Sacred sketch. <laughs> Um, the Wiseman Institute say their embryo model made using stem cells looks like a textbook example of a real 14 day old embryo. It even released hormones that turned a pregnancy test positive in the lab. The ambition for embryo models is to provide an ethical way of understanding the earliest moments of our lives. Uh, first weeks after a sperm fertilizes an egg is a period of dramatic change from a collection of indistinct cells to something that eventually becomes recognizable on a baby scan. This crucial time is a major source of miscarriage and birth defects, but poorly understood. Uh, It's a black box that's not a cliche. Our knowledge is very limited. Professor Jacob Hanna from the Wiseman Institute of Science says, 
So uh, embryo research is legally, ethically, and technically fraught, but there's now a rapidly developing field mimicking natural embryo development. Um, so yeah, so this, they, they, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just I was just going to jump in for a second. Jump uh, in. You, you can. Uh, uh, you know, I, is that, I think what I did is just ethically fraught there. But. <laughs> no, no, give it a jump. So. So the research published in the journal Nature is described by the Israeli team as the first complete embryo model for mimicking all the key structures that emerge in the early embryo. Uh, this is really all a the key structures. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Emerging in the early embryo from <laughs> the early. <laughs> So Professor Hannah says, this is a really tech, a textbook image of a human uh, day 14 embryo. This hasn't been done before. Instead of a sperm and egg, the starting materials was na- n- uh, naive, I thought it said na- native, mm. naive stem cells, which were reprogrammed to gain the potential to become any type of tissue in the body. Chemicals were then used to coax these stem cells into becoming four types of cell found in the earliest stages of the human embryo. Epiblast cells. Uh, so those stem cells had to come from sperm and eggs, though. I mean, they're they're uh, they're making it sound like they're just creating this uh, from like a couple of test tubes and and mixing ke- mixing chemicals, right? But like, yeah, that okay. I'm not as impressed. Like when you're a kid and you get like all the shampoos and everything and you mix them together and you go like, I've made a potion. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not as. Imp- I'm not as impressed <laughs> that this. Oh, come on, I can't be the only one who did that. Yeah, the well-known, the well-known fun thing to do in England. You mix all, you mix all the shampoo, like Wait, maybe like some dish soap and stuff like that, and you stir it together, and you're like, oh, I've just done." How many shampoos I've, I've, were you using? I don't know, like whatever was handy, whatever I could get away with. I grew up in like you know. a one shampoo household. Did, did when, the Kershans have like preferred? Shampoos but amongst the family members. Probably a couple of shampoos, but then also, you know, you get you you get some di- you get some dish soap. You get some, you know, whatever else is available that is sperm. A different, a different yeah. colored liquid. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I'm yeah. I'm less impressed since this used stem cells. Well, but 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 so yeah, like the but the, we can trace the origin of all cells back to there were some sperm and eggs somewhere around there but but they're not start but they're starting with these stem cells that are like you know my understanding of this isn't deep but stem cells are are that we start with stem cells and they naturally in our bodies they differentiate into all the different kinds of tissues and everything and they're saying they took there was never a, so in this process no sperm no egg right but stem cells differentiated into the kinds of cells that you see at the beginning of an embryo correct yeah they 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 reprogrammed uh those cells to become epiblast cells that becomes the embryo proper um Trophoblast cells, that becomes the placenta. Hypoblast, that's the supportive yolk sac. And extraembryonic mesoderm cells, um, which are just there, you know, to provide base and treble. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what those are for. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. That's the extra stuff. And uh, 120 cells are mixed and grown in a shaker. So this, yeah. <laughs> they're mixed in a I'm precise ratio, James and then Bond the scientists. Yeah, it actually says, and then the scientists step back and watch and present mm-hmm. their present their potion to the rest of the household. Yeah. Who's very angry? Go ahead, taste at it. The scientists having used up too much of the shampoo. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, so it did spontaneously assemble itself. That's the it says about one percent of the mixture. Because they so they they took naive like blank codable stem cells, they transformed those into four types of cells. They put 120 of those cells uh, are mixed and grown in a shaker, and then about one percent of the mixture began the journey of spontaneously assembling themselves into a structure that resembles but is not identical to a human embryo. Hmm. Uh, so if you have the right uh, they say I give credit to the cells. You have you have to bring the right mix and have the right environment, and it just takes off. So, sort of put itself together there. Hmm. So yeah, but it's not yeah. exactly. They said uh, resembles, but is not identical to. Right. I, I, this could not be considered. I think there's some stuff missing that would say this is not a human embryo. Um, it says they were allowed to grow and develop until they were comparable to an embryo 14 days after fertilization, which in many countries is the legal cutoff for normal embryo research. 
Right. Because then there's a so heartbeat, he, man. After that heartbeat, uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh, dude. It, uh, mm. it does say, in another experiment, they did allow it to grow to the point that it was able to say, please kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Resembling, but not identical to the way a human might say that. <laughs> right, right. Wow. Yeah. Well, this, this makes me think about lab meat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, because I, I've always wondered, like, why, like, you know, considering everything with, with the environment and animal rights and everything, why do you think lab meat is not pushed, like, more, like, like in terms of trying to create that? Well, um, it sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just think the idea of cloning a steak without killing anything, you know, with, yeah. I mean, that just seems like a great idea. 100% agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's still too expensive as we've we've covered that a little. I think uh, it's still too expensive, but I do think that, of course, will change. Like just even the <laughs> amount of water it would take to raise livestock right. in the future is going to be – it's going to be no question. You know, mm-hmm. it'll be like just the shitty steak that you go get, you know, the Outback steak or whatever will be like the – $2,000 delicacy in 50 years mm. versus, you know, I don't know. I think. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it just seems like it, we're heading that direction eventually. We're, we're, we're just yeah. going to yeah. clone a steak and, uh, you know, if they can be good. I just, you know, the question is, do, what do you trust more? A cloned, a steak made <laughs> in a lab or a steak that's made from the horrible conditions? And right. Whether it be, you know. No, of course. Uh, that's the thing. I think my, like most people would say they'd prefer the, the the standard steak, but I mean I don't know. To me, it's almost like the same. Yeah. Well, and also like every like literally every pandemic has come from <laughs> you know I mean in the last I'd say well in the last hundred years right has come from like animal transfer uh, to people. That's it's like horrible. Like the you know. Spanish flu and HIV and COVID. Yeah, and the best is yet to come. It's just, uh, we got to clean it up quick, you know? Uh, No, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I just think right now it's very expensive. And if we could get, I I know so much of it's political with lobbyists and all that shit. But if you could get that to the same scale as like the livestock industry, I mean, I'd be thrilled. Because it's not even just – there's so many things. <clears throat> there's all the treatment of the animals and all those issues. But then as far as just health risks, um, well, first of all, you could change it. Like if there's a problem with whether it's – even a healthy steak, even if, if you say there's problems with the fats or something else, you could always design something that's a little more healthy. But then in addition to all the antibiotics and everything they're pumped full of and all the – shitty conditions they live in then you have like mad cow like the other like even yeah. like crazier health threats that all that could be eliminated mm-hmm. yeah by the way uh i just on that subject i was allowed to donate blood in america for the first time recently i was they they've changed the rules but for what is this country coming to for years <laughs> i couldn't because because i ate a hamburger in the 80s in britain what so anyone who lived in britain <gasps> During the 80s and 90s, which I did, uh, on a, you know, listeners to the show may have deduced that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and because of Mad Cow, CJD, I was, uh, we, I was banned from donating blood, but they have lifted that ban now. Oh, so, wow. I had no idea that was a, a ban on that. No. Yeah. I had no idea. What, what made them change their mind? Or did- I think they just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> just sweet we, we got enough. enough so, issues. are you taking advantage of it? Are you just going everywhere, donating blood every day? Yeah, <laughs> just getting those sweet, sweet vouchers. <laughs> yep, <laughs> the Red Cross gives you. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I did it. They, they Is it a, only about right... donating blood? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I need to make is... an embryo. <laughs> oh man, I will tell you guys this, right? Uh, so when I. Um, you know, long story short, the listeners know, but for the guests, you know, I had a I had a bit of a ass cancer, right? Had had the old ass cancer. And so before I got radiation, because it's all down there by my uh, balls, if you've seen where the butthole is, right? 
close to wow, the ball. that's so, true. It is. Yeah, I guess no, I it's, hadn't thought about that, but it kind of is. It's remarkably <laughs> close compared to, let's say... It's in like the neighborhood. Your, <laughs> well, compared to, say, your nose or something, right? Yeah, It's, exactly. it's remarkably yeah. close. So they were like, you know, you may not be able to uh, have kids after this, right? Um, you should go... And get your jizz frozen somewhere. You should, <laughs> you know, pop on down there. Save the, save your, <laughs> save some cum, right? So I, <laughs> I go down there. Um, but it's the same place where people like, it, it's just a fertility clinic. So I go in and it was just full of couples that want to conceive, right? They're mm. down there to, to, they want to conceive. And if you ever want to know your worth, uh, go in there when people think you're donating sperm. And they're literally like almost openly like not that guy. Oh. No, like, <laughs> like one couple just left, you know. I'm, I'm walking in there, <laughs> and I'm here for my appointment. And uh, <laughs> I thought you did better vetting than that. We're leaving. Yeah. Like, nope. Nope, honey. Let's go to a, let's go to a nicer come place or whatever. Um, yeah, it was weird. I'm sorry. We did. We demand a better class of come. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, they do have like stuff you can you can look at back there, and I don't know who curates the Nashville <laughs> Fertility Clinic uh, pornography, but really stuck in the seventies, this guy. I imagine kind of like a full disco outfit, you know, that comes in. <laughs> it was it was pretty brutal, pretty brutal. Use the phone for that one. I know, and when, and whereas porn has made such great strides in the decades since then, sure. Sure. No, it was weird. I mean, I'm not I'm not even trying to be funny, but it occurred to me. I was like, if this winds up being the the <laughs> sperm that makes a potential child for me one day, this is the most important load of my life. This is it. Right. And and I it like made me all in my head about what I watched during it, you know, because I was like, this is like, <laughs> this is like kind of like it's mom kind of. You know, like whatever right. video this is, kind of. So I got I I, uh, I think I took way too long. I got way too in my head picking a video. <laughs> anyway, this went way off the rails. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. My, my <laughs> Matt's just I not even talking. Into He's it, just... <laughs> and I just thought it was too expensive. So I just have some of mine in my freezer. Yeah. Well, no. So this is this is uh, real. Like I missed uh, I missed my jizz rent. Like a year ago, oh. and I don't know. I haven't heard back from them. I don't know if it got evicted, but I, it might be gone because you have oh. to pay yearly for the cryogenic freezing. That's what I was thinking about. So, cry if you want to like smoothly without calling attention to the fact that we're segueing away from sperm a little bit. Cryonics yeah. in general, like you have to count on the fact that they're going to keep the fridge cold decades, hundreds of years after you die. I mean, yeah. do they like sell it off like in Storage Wars? Like, can you bid right. on the batch? <laughs> you go bid, bid down at the down at the cryogenic. Whoever place. buys this has to promise to keep it plugged in. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and uh, you also that's why you have to pay yearly um, for these places. And if you if you miss it, I don't know what happens. Mm. You know, I don't know. Um, I need to call down there and say, is it still in there? What, Maybe it, it's like that thing with the vaccine. What happened? You know, the vaccines had to be kept at a certain temperature. And so once you take them out of the fridge, they have to be used immediately. So it's like, <laughs> hey, we need to impregnate someone in the next 24 hours. Yeah, this is the start of like a horrible knock on my door where some kid shows up. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, anyway, weird times. Weird times. But um, yeah, that's what it's like down there. It's a bad time. Going, you know, we were talking about donating blood. Yes. Is, is it, does it, do people still pay for that? I remember that was always a thing you'd see in movies when I was growing up, like, so, or TV shows where someone would donate blood because they were broke. Is that even, I, mean, I don't know. I, uh, I, I, know, I, know I did it, I did it for Simpsons paid. memorabilia. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding, because uh, it, it was, all, it was organized, it was part of the, the the writers guild and during the strike and everything they did like a kind of uh, a blood drive so i did it and uh and cuz it was organized by writers there were there was free simpson stuff that's cool very cool um yeah no i would do that i know uh plasma uh plasma donation pays there's like 
there's a plasma donation place. I don't live in the best neighborhood um, <laughs> at all. And there's a, you know, it's so on my corner, there's a pawn shop. And across the street from that, there's a plasma donation place. And like uh, drug dealers just hang out in the parking lot. Because, like, people will go in, they'll donate, they'll come out with 50 bucks and then buy what they want, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I wonder then if you need a slightly lower dose of your drugs because you're lower on blood. <laughs> right. No, exactly. Yeah, it's sort of a, a diminishing thing. <laughs> but if they're a cop, they have to tell you, dude. They have to. Yeah. They have to. Um, what I, I, I definitely, you know, they tell you don't drink that night. And I was planning on, go, we were going out with... Uh, some friends that that evening so i was like hey where it says like don't drink the night after or the night of you've donated blood is like like you really can't drink and she's like the nurse there sort of said um the advice we give is to not drink but um you know you do you (laughs) interesting (laughs) which i think was basically her saying like yeah you can drink a little bit but be careful Uh, but i can't say that legally Hmm. officially hmm now, Very what happens if you donate plasma? Does that have, like, uh, in terms of, like, you know, with blood, you're, you're not supposed to do anything strenuous for the next... I don't know. Like, is that is there some sort of... I just never, you know, never know or never well, thought about it. I'm anymore. not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Let's check it out here. There's a... a pro, I'm, I'm just going with protocol. Um... You can tell how broke I am. So let, let me hear more about this. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's, what's going on here? If I could do, uh, if I could do some of that, um, it's kind of curious. Uh, you have to limit alcohol and caffeine intake and eating a. Uh, oh, limiting alcohol and caffeine intake and eating protein and an iron-rich diet in the days before can help oh. your body prepare. Um, do not use nicotine within an hour of your appointment. Yeah, I don't know. It says you got to weigh at least 110 pounds. You have to be at least 18. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. like a ride. It's like an eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so then, the, yeah, then they go down there and I guess make what make flat screens and stuff with them. Uh, right? For the plasma? Yeah. Is that what they do? And fight ghosts. Mm-hmm. That's, uh... they, this is what they fight. They fight, they fight specters. And, uh, hmm. well... You know, uh, guys, I'll tell you one thing. I am sick of this culture war that's happening. Uh, yeah. I'm so sick of it. And you would think that the culture war would not be happening in outer space. But a satellite has deployed a drag sail. <gasps> and removed... <laughs> remo- <laughs> if children hear about this. Yep. These satellites are grooming kids. It's... um, No, so a satellite has deployed a drag sail and removed itself from orbit five years early. Which, uh, which is pretty interesting. So you know, it's an uh, in an age of increasing stuff orbiting Earth. One big concern is what happens if a satellite hits another one. Um, the result could be an explosion or a chain reaction of collisions, or the closure of an orbit, and that'd be catastrophic. However, a small satellite called Subudnik, uh, S B U D N I C. Getting a little joke there. Just sent itself back to Earth earlier than expected, and its goal was to demonstrate a low-cost way to take care of space debris. Um, it was the brainchild of a group of students at Brown University who were in a design of space systems class uh, taught by engineering professor Rick Fleeter, and it was a 3U CubeSat made of off-the-shelf components, um, including 48 Energizer batteries, a small camera, and a plastic drag sail. So we've talked okay. about the CubeSat stuff before. CubeSats? Oh, you have? <clears throat> How big are they? They're really small, like a foot square or two feet square. They're pretty small, right? Yeah. 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 I'm going to look it up while we while Jesse They're these little, the like, they're, they're affordable that, like, some university department or something like this, these brown students, could, like, afford to uh, yeah. get one launched. So, th- so they're even smaller than that. They oh. are... They are t- ten centimeters by ten by ten, so they're the, roughly the size of a Rubik's cube. Okay. Wow. Um, they launched it aboard a SpaceX rocket in 2022. Um, in spring of 2022, they communicated with it through a ham radio-based Arduino prototyping platform. Um, uh, those are commonly used aboard three U CubeSats due to their lightweight and dependability. Uh, so the idea was to show an affordable deorbit method. 
So they say, we're trying to prove that there are ways of deorbiting space junk after mission life has ended that are not super costly, says Celia Jindal, who graduated from Brown in May and was one of the project leads. This showed that we can do that. We're successfully able to deorbit our satellite so that it's no longer taking up space in Earth's orbit. More importantly, the project really helps show that there are significant plans we can put in place to combat the space junk problem that are cost effective. Um, so once in orbit at an altitude of 520 kilometers, the spacecraft's sail popped open. Uh, think of its drag sail almost like a, what is this, a drogue chute? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, that's like the little um, the little par- parachute that comes out before the main parachute to kind of uh, get okay. it. Okay, yeah, it says it slows. To, to, to stop it from twisting and to get it coming out the right way. It says, uh, yeah, think of it like a, like a parachute that slows down a spacecraft. That helped push the tiny spacecraft gradually back into Earth's atmosphere. It turns out the sail was pretty efficient, uh, which helped the satellite lose altitude. By March of this year, it has slipped to 470 kilometers from the 520. Later, on August 8th, 2023, it had fallen to 147. That was its last known position. Uh, so shortly after that, it burned up over Turkey due to the heat of reentry. Um, um, okay, I'm, I'm looking up drogue chute. It is that, but it's also the name given for any parachute that comes out uh, from a rapidly moving object. Uh, uh, so... Also, the parachutes that come out behind jets that are landing on a, okay, you know, mm. or drag races, drag yeah. cars. Hmm. <clears throat> so, the, so the idea is the chute comes out, the orbit slows down, and then it starts yeah. sinking into it, the atmosphere until it's burned up in the atmosphere. What, what I what I'm not understanding though is what is the parachute dragging? Like, uh, well, well, it's, it's a, just it's Earth's a, atmosphere. Like, you know, it doesn't and like. There's a certain point that we say space begins, but the atmosphere doesn't oh, suddenly I, end there. Yeah, it's sorry, so, sorry. So no matter how it's high up you go, it's just, K, is I that see. what it yeah. is? It just starts increasing yeah. the drag because that little thing there's not that would probably stay up there for so many years right. with no drag, but you just throw out this little chute and it slows things down. Yeah, it just catches on whatever atmosphere there is. That makes sense. Yeah. The, um it used to be that these objects would stay in orbit for about 25 years. Wow. But in 2022, the Federal Communications Commission created a new five-year rule for deorbiting satellites. Uh, it states that spacecraft ending up at altitudes less than, I think this is a typo, uh, mm. it should have the amount of kilometers, but it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> So it states that spacecraft ending up at altitudes less than whatever kilometers must deorbit as soon as possible and no more than five years after the end of their missions. Uh, so another thing to consider is solar activity. It causes Earth's atmosphere to puff up during periods mm. of solar maximum. That increases the drag on low-orbiting satellites. It's a known problem that satellite operators face. And the low-cost, off-the-shelf technology demonstrated by the Brown students uh, offer a useful solution for unanticipated deorbits. So that's interesting. Yeah, you just pop a little uh, drag sail up there, and it <laughs> speeds up the deorbit process. Wow. Wow. How Even fascinating. The space I in no way yeah. need a nap after that. That's so <laughs> invigorating. So trivia question. What is the best song ever written Maybe the only song ever written directly about this topic. Oh, uh, directly about this topic? Oh, yeah. Not these kids doing this. <laughs> Will it go around some... in circles? No, no, that's a good one, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, let me think. Okay, it's not Final Countdown. Um, <laughs> no. No, what, what do you got? Space Junk from the first Devo album. Okay. It's a song called Space Junk. She was hit by Space Junk. It's about all the space junk. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's called Space Junk. It's about space junk. Sure. Coming down and hitting someone. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I love I love Devo's... Uh, I love the elevator pitch of Devo. Like, I imagine that's how Mark Mothersbaugh like, pitched it to the band. It's called Space Junk. It's about space junk. Listen, it's called Whip It. It's about whipping it. All right? You got to whip it good. That's what it's about. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Tell me more. Are we not men? No, we're Diva. It's about Diva. That's who we are. <laughs> I love that song. That song, the first line, that song, Are We Not Men, Jocko Homo, that song, the theme, their theme. That first verse is so amazing. It goes, they tell us that we lost our tails, evolving up from little snails. I say it's all just wind and sails. Are yeah. we not men? We are Devo. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just love those first few lines. Can't yeah, believe man. you're going to put that on your gravestone. <laughs> well, what else? <laughs> Tell yeah. me. What else, Kevin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, we should. Speaking of epitaphs yeah <laughs> we probably should wrap up the main show we'll save an extra story for our patreon patrons we always but, do they're uh, our favorite <laughs> but uh kevin and brian where can our listeners find you and everything you're doing <laughs> you find me well, picketing oh <laughs> uh, yes the writer's strike yeah, yeah i'm not doing anything i'm just i just today i circled the wb or not the, i didn't circle it i would walk back and forth in front of it did you curse <laughs> did you raise your fist in the air Sure. Sure. <laughs> Are you also in the Writers Guild? Um, uh, I am, yeah. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, so I've I've also been out yelling. Yeah. It's uh huh. And I'm uh, I'm striking, and by that I mean crushing it at the bowling alley. Oh um, <laughs> I'm sparing, I'm striking, I'm killing it out there. Um I don't know what I'm talking about, guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm very tired. <laughs> I have a great relationship so, with the gutters. <clears throat> so apart apart from uh, circling Warner Brothers, where where can artists find you on on internet things and so? No, find him on the street. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, you can. I mean, you can find me on Twitter, but I'm barely on it. I'm like yeah. the worst person when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like in terms of. <laughs> okay, uh, just give out your home address then. That's all you can <laughs> do. Yeah, just go wait, over. Wait, wait. Is this one of those? He uh, lives in a nice neighborhood. There's a lot of stuff to do around there. Do you have probable cause, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to tell you anything. No, it's uh I always tell people like um you know like when you tell people that you're a comic and then like like people that are not comics and they're like, "Oh, do you know so and so? Do you know?" But they're talking about like famous, like real famous people. And normally it's like, "Yeah. Like we've done a few shows together or whatever, you know, like around yeah. LA or something." And it it blows people's minds a lot cuz I think um I don't think people are aware of how easy it is to hang out with comedians. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's very much no barrier. Like, uh, so yeah, just go to Kevin's house. Yeah. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. He's usually there. <laughs> just go. Just go hang out. And, and Brian, I'm, where can I'm I... not much. I, I have. You can find me all the places, but I'm not much better than Kevin in terms of I'm not very good at much of the social media. So, but my handle is Science Comedian everywhere. I'm most active maybe on Instagram, but I'm on Twitter, which you, the platform that used to be known as Twitter. Sure. Um, uh, YouTube. Find me on YouTube, Science Comedian, ScienceComedian.com, um, Instagram. What else is there? I'm on Blue Sky now, and my name is some. If it's not just science comedian, it's some thing like that. I don't know how <laughs> usernames work there yet. <laughs> so science find, comedian, find, them, find me. Find them on all of those. You can find us. Probablyscience.com is the website. Uh, we're on Twitter at probablyscience individually at Jesse Case and at Matt Kirshen. Uh, probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for questions, comments, clarifications, and stories you would like us to cover. Uh, appreciate all of those everyone who writes in and also you can join the Patreon or d direct PayPal donations through the link at probablyscience.com we very much like everyone who does that that's very very kind of you uh, if you are not able to donate then just spread the word tell people about our show we really yeah, appreciate that tell a friend yeah Get the it's word usually out. better um, than this one <laughs> no come on this is uh, obviously a highlight no it isn't it isn't better than this uh, <laughs> that's sad to hear but thank you <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, we will see you next time. <laughs>